Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Come experience what the Constitution means to me at Paramount's Copley Theater in downtown Aurora from October 4th to November 12th. What the Constitution means to me is hilarious, heartbreaking, and insightful. Tickets are available starting at $40 online now at ParamountAurora.com. That's ParamountAurora.com. Your Ben Jarofsky show for this Friday, September 15th starts now. On today's show, it's Oh What a Week, so Ben counts down some of the top stories of the week with a great return guest. He's talking to the justice junkie herself, April Prayer. The Ben Jarofsky Show is proudly presented by the Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago. Where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what's going on in the news, and so much more. All you got to do is head to ChicagoReader.com to find it. And if you want more Ben Jarofsky, just head to ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. I'll spell that for you. J-O-R-A-V is in victory. S-K-Y. Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Scam Weekend. And here's why. Actually, it's not Scam Weekend, although there's scams everywhere I look. It's Oh, What a Week. And uh, April Prayer is standing by uh, to be my guest. Thank you very much, April Prayer, uh, in advance for being my guest. I just want to talk about something. Oh, what a week. I'm thinking this is the week they bashed Stacey Davis Gates. I mean, she got bashed Stacey Davis Gates, president of the Chicago Teachers Union, dear friend of the show. She's on the show Tuesday. You can hear yourself. It was revealed that her attending a Catholic school and not a public school. And man, did the bashing start. Bam, boom, oh, suck. It's still going on. I get texts and emails <laughs> from friends of mine. They go, your girl's a hypocrite. It's still going on. They're still bashing her. And they're bashing me because I defend her and I like her. And, you know, folks, I'm starting to think that there's a little hypocrisy on the other side that's bashing Stacey Davis Gates so much. Now, just hear me out, ladies and gentlemen. So Stacey Davis Gates sends her kids uh, to a Catholic school in the city of Chicago. She's being bashed. And supporters of a program called Invest in Kids are blasting her. They say it's hypocritical that she sends her kids to a Catholic school in Chicago, but she does not support Invest in Kids. Well, let me explain you what Invest in Kids is. Invest in Kids is a program set up by the state. I remember when they came out and emerged in the battle. I think it was like in 2018. Don't quote me in the dates, ladies and gentlemen. I can't remember every date. But I'm pretty sure it was 2018 legislative battle, uh, the waning days of Bruce Rauner's administration. Remember him, Illinois? Heck of a job on that election, huh? You elected him as your governor. Bruce Rauner was supported by Kenny G. You remember Kenny G, Ken Griffin, the most, uh, the richest man in the state of Illinois until he moved to Florida. I'm out of here. I'm moving to Florida. I'm going to hang out with Ron DeSantis. April and I will get into Ron DeSantis in a little bit. So two of the richest men in the state of Illinois declared war on the Chicago Teachers Union. They hated the Chicago Teachers Union. Let me amend that. Not hated, hate the Chicago Teachers Union. And they gaslit so many Chicagoans. So many people out in the city of Chicago, you guys are gaslit in ways you don't even understand. You know what I'm saying? You Now you hate the Chicago Teachers Union. It was just bombarded in your brain. And I read it. I see the hate. I see the hate in like little comments that are like in the mainstream press, the all-powerful Chicago Teachers Union. I never heard you call the all-powerful Kenny G. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The all-powerful rich guy. No, it's it's like, some rich guy gives a donation to some like museum or charity, and suddenly we love him. He's a philanthropist. He's good to the city of Chicago. When Kenny G left Chicago, moved to Florida, 
there were all these articles and craves like, what's going to happen now? <laughs> You'll find some other rich guy to shake down. That's what's going to happen now. And he'll get a tax break. And that's where I get back to Invest in Kids. They set up this program, Invest in Kids, whereby you could get a tax credit if you donate to uh, essentially pay for the tuition of an eligible kid to go to a private school, a Catholic school included. So let's say I'm broke. I need help paying my uh, tuition. I apply for a scholarship. Rich guy, Billy Bob, he could then contribute money essentially to this fund. If he contributes $1,000, he gets $750 tax credit. What's a tax credit, you ask? A tax credit is where you get to deduct it from the amount you owe. It's no joke. So if you owe $1,000, you have a tax credit of $750. Hold on, do the math. I went to Evanston High School, ladies and gentlemen. I can do it. $250 is your tax bill. If you owe $500 and you have a tax credit of $750, the state pays you $250. Tax credit is a good thing to have. So they're financing this scholarship program <laughs> by giving rich people money. The state gives the rich guy the money. The rich guy gives, well, I got it reverse. Rich guy gives the scholarship fund the money. The state gives the rich guy money back. And some poor kid gets to go to a private school where his tuition is paid. Uh, better not get in trouble at that private school because you know how they, they don't play. They'll kick you out. April Prayer. Oh, she went, she knows what I'm talking about. You don't follow every little rule. Gone. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. And they send you down to the public school, which isn't getting any money from the rich guys. So they're saying, Stacy, you're a hypocrite. You don't support investing kids, and you still send your kid to a Catholic school. And my attitude is that's not hypocrisy. It would be hypocrisy if Stacey Davis Gates, who is the head of the Chicago Teachers Union and is always imploring people to spend more money in the public school, took a handout from investing kids. That would be hypocrisy. <laughs> but she's not doing that. You know what I think the hypocrisy is, ladies and gentlemen? Follow me on this. That some rich guy needs a tax credit to donate for a scholarship fund for poor kids. That's hypocrisy. Why you say that? If you're rich and you believe that every kid has an opportunity, should des deserves an opportunity to go to the finest school he can, and you believe the Catholic schools are the finest schools in the state of Illinois, and that you should do absolutely everything you can to give kids a chance to go to them, then you should contribute, whether you get a tax credit or not. I'm starting reading about investing kids. I don't think this is about helping poor kids. I think this is about... <laughs> getting the tax credit and like the collateral benefit to some rich guy is they hate the Chicago teachers union and they want to defund public education. So it, it, it's like a threesome. If you, I mean, you get the tax credit, you get to defund public education and you, you slam the teachers union because the more kids that go to private schools, the less kids are in public schools, the less teachers you're going to need, the fewer Chicago members of the Chicago teacher, teacher Union there will be. Man, a lot of benefits from this program. But to me, really, it really shows something about the hypocrisy of the people who support the charter movement, the people who support the, uh, the, the whole notion of giving people uh, total control of the amount of money that uh, goes should go to schools, the voucher movement. It shows the hypocrisy. If they really believed that the kids of the city of Chicago deserved a chance to get to some of the best private schools, best Catholic schools, then they would just donate the money and they wouldn't want the tax credit. They wouldn't need the tax credit. They're so rich, they could probably send a thousand kids from poor backgrounds to schools in the city of Chicago. But no, they're only going to do it if they can make a little money off it. That, my friends, is hypocrisy.
All right, without further ado, I'm going to bring on April Prayer. She's been patiently listening. I don't know if she agreed with anything I said, but she's been very patiently listening. April, did you agree with anything I said just there? Um, Sure. So I, I'll just be transparent and say I am the daughter of a retired, well, deceased now, retired CPS teacher. And I never set foot in a public school uh, <laughs> in my life other than to go visit my mother's classroom. So I totally understand the reasons why Stacy, what's the middle name? Gates, Davis Gates, would send her kids. And I I mean, I think that there has to be some sort of balance. Like that is what she does for a profession. I don't know that it's so hypocritical to send her kid outside of that system. Does she do her job every day? Does she teach other people's kids? Is she devoted to the Chicago public school system in that way? Sure, but I also get why people are dragging her. So yeah, I get both sides of it. I, I but totally I'm definitely biased being what would be her kids <laughs> in, that, in that county yeah. school. <laughs> uh, that is so funny. Your mom was a public school teacher. She's like, I know, I know what I'm doing. She wasn't the only one. I had several friends who went to school with me, whose parents were also CPS teachers who felt the exact same way. Uh, and uh, I'm not going to say that April went to the lamest high school in the city of Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'll ask you the question I asked uh, Stacey uh, Davis Gates uh, when she was on the show. So if a Catholic school is playing a public school in uh, the city championship for football, do you have an instinctive inclination as to which school you root for the public school or the catholic school no the public school's gonna win <laughs> no it's just the opposite are you kidding really, catholic really? Well, I guess kids. ignatius oh didn't have a football team when i was there so that wasn't even an option for us so when they got a football team i was like ah they're gonna be whack <laughs> so i didn't know i had no idea that that the catholic schools were dominating That's okay so i'm gonna give you a little hint about catholic schools in the city of chicago and it's coming from a guy who didn't go to one but like saint ignatius those are the brainy kids you want those good football player kids saint rita saint lawrence okay <laughs> mount carmel uh, let's feed these kids a lot to eat <laughs> a lot of carbs for breakfast yeah saint ignatius, I, saint, I think saint ignatius does have a uh football team right now they do they, they do. do now uh, they did they when had, I was there, though. Yeah, when you were there. Uh, she, by the way, you noticed she did not uh, come back at me when I said she went to the lamest high school in the city of Chicago. She was oh, like, no. <laughs> was, it was like top tier. We were always like one or two, number one uh, or two in the city. Smart kids. I, I'm just teasing St. Ignatius uh, attendees. I know you're smart. Uh, I wouldn't have been, a, I would, they wouldn't have brought me into St. Ignatius in a million years. They'd call my mom and this kid is not quite St. Ignatius material. So <laughs> send them back. So April, a very dear friend of the show and uh, reached out to me earlier in the week to tell me about something exciting she's up to. And I said, come on and tell everybody on my humble little podcast about it. Uh, and, and then we'll take the deep dive in a week's worth of news. So why don't you start by doing a little promotion? Go ahead, April. So anybody who's a local business owner, normally they know that funding is always an issue. And particularly black women business owners, we're the fastest growing demographic of business owners in the United States, but we're the least likely to get funded. So I do a, like a deep dive and look at grants and what other ways I can supplement the income of my business. And I stumbled upon something called the Southside Pitch Competition. It highlights businesses on the South Side of Chicago. And it doesn't matter what kind of business. It could be a brewery. It could be a hair shop. It could be a restaurant. Um, and so I applied and I beat out over 100 other businesses and I made it into the semifinals. And there are 23 of us. And now one business will move on to the final simply by getting the most likes on our pitch video. Four others will be moved on if selected by the board. I don't know the board. So what I've been saying is I'll go for the popular vote <laughs> and try to get the most likes as opposed to swaying the opinions of six or seven people I don't know. And so I've been doing a heavy campaign on social media and email and in person to get people to go to our site, which is vote, the number four, just us. So vote for just us, ha, ha, ha. 
vote.com. I spell justice a little differently because there's a saying, there is no justice, there's just us. So it's vote, the number four, J-U-S-T-U-S.com. Again, vote, number four, J-U-S-T-U-S.com. And right now we're in the lead, but I want to stay in the lead so that we move on to the finals and get the opportunity to pitch on my feet, just like Shark Tank, just like the show Shark Tank, we will pitch in front of a room full of decision makers and then they decide who gets the cash prizes uh and uh so there you go ladies and gentlemen and everybody knows i'm a big fan of april she's been coming on the show for about two two or three years now talking about uh law and order issues talking about bail we're gonna get into a little bail conversation talk about longer than that i came into your studio before the pandemic hit that is correct (laughs) i sit corrected i love when my guests correct me (laughs) Happens all the time. You're right. 2019. I remember. I'm going to give a shout out to Annie Grimm, who was the one who connected me to April. I just remembered. He goes, you got to meet April. So, Andy, God bless you. Uh, Chicago Sun-Times criminal justice reporter. Um, yeah, no, Andy's a good man. And now it's like the 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 April Prayer Empire and the Ben Jarofsky show because your former partner, <laughs> Brendan Schiller, is a regular on the show, too. Uh, so we're just expanding. But you're the one who said, of course, Longtime listeners of my show know your famous saying is shut up, lawyer up. Uh, and uh, April's the one who said never, ever, ever voluntarily talk to a law enforcement officer without your lawyer present. That was your Absolutely. advice. You stand Absolutely. by that still? Unless he's your cousin and you are all chatting over a burger at the barbecue. Do not talk to police. <laughs> uh, you know what? A lot of cops would probably agree, agree with you. If I know. Were, if a, and this, this reminds me of something. So, so that's saying that a conservative, follow me on this one, April. I'm, uh, I got dyslexia, but I, I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm going to get it right. A conservative is a liberal who is mugged, who is mugged. Okay. That's that old saying. A liberal is a conservative who was arrested. <laughs> I a think liberal I agree with that. is a, I think. Donald Trump's the biggest liberal in America right now. <laughs> now he's facing like how many charges and how four different cases? Suddenly he's uh-huh. like, we have a right to a trial. You're innocent <laughs> until proven. All of MAGA's like, you're innocent until proven guilty. guilty. Absolutely. Suddenly he knows all the amendments of the Constitution. Yeah. <laughs> at least, at least four through six. <laughs> Does not know the fourteenth. Does not know the 14th <laughs> Amendment because, as we all know, if you've been listening to the Ben Jarofsky show, there's old provision three in the 14th Amendment that says if you've sworn an oath to the Constitution of the United States, you are ineligible to run for office uh, or to serve office if you have led an insurrection or joined an insurrection against the uh, U.S. government. So Donnie Trump definitely fits that. <laughs> he only knows the he only knows the parts of the Constitution that he thinks favor him, April. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's most people. <laughs> it's you like, you know, if you talk about the Bible, you know, people <laughs> pick and choose which part they like. Yeah. <laughs> they drop out the other parts. So it's, yeah. it's no different with the Constitution. It's no different with any law. Um. I mentioned Stacey Davis Gates. And before we move on to some other issues of the day, uh, this thought occurred to me uh, that Stacey Davis Gates has replaced Kim Fox or is in the process of replacing Kim Fox as the leader in Chicago that conservatives, that MAGA, I mean, I don't want to go racial, but a lot of white people love to hate. And Kim Fox got blamed for so much. Uh, Kim Fox, former uh, Cook County State's attorney, just for folks who don't know, uh, and uh, she's not running for re-election, so it'll be an open seat. So she's kind of not, a, she won't be around to bash anymore, but Stacey Davis Gates is still there to bash. I, as you reflect on Kim Fox's legacy, do you agree with me that she became a convenient target and scapegoat uh, for people who are looking just to blame absolutely everything they could that's going wrong on one person? Oh, we'll just blame Kim Fox. Your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I actually, I was saying, I saw Kim the other day. We were at Kent Law School. She was on a panel talking about the um, 
no cash bond that's going into effect on Monday. And she was there actually with Sharon Mitchell, who was the public defender, and then a good friend of mine, Edward Spates, who actually works with me in my street law um, classes. And I was joking with Kim about just that, just saying, oh, you know, you know, she's like, I won't be the everybody's punching bag anymore. And I'm like, you'll be a punching bag for a generation. Really, they're going to continue to blame stuff on her, whether she's in the spotlight or not. But it's solely because she's black and female. It's solely because she has this notion of being a progressive prosecutor. I mean, people were already beating her up before she ever even got in office, and then it just continued. But yeah, she gets blamed for everything. We joke about it. I'm like, they act like you make the arrest. They act like you stop people, you know, with lights on top of your car and jump out with a badge and a gun on your hip. She's like, I don't, you know, people don't understand the criminal justice system, and it's easy to blame all of its ills on one person and she's the face of that so yeah because kim has done a lot of good while she's in office um i say i always say i think kim is a good person with good values but you're in a system that's inherently resistant to change and so she was always going to have that uphill battle to face but yeah i agree that she's one of the most hated people in the city of chicago and most of it is is not earned well i gotta tell you when i think about it uh I've, I've watched Chicago politics over the ten, last 10 years. The in terms of the, the hatred generated, it's black women. Yeah. The great, the legendary, my dear friend, Karen Lewis, hated by so many people. Northsiders, come on, you know, don't act like you, now that Karen passed, don't act like you liked her. Okay. You used to feel my, you used to say all the nasty things about her that you say about Stacey Davis Gates now. All right, yeah. Karen. So Karen Lewis, Kim Fox, SDG, Stacey Davis Gates, and Lori Lightfoot. Now, Lori Lightfoot's an interesting. Um, she doesn't completely fit this narrative because because she earned it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why she doesn't completely fit the narrative because she earns every dirty word people said about her. She was dirty before she got in office. She was a dirty prosecutor, and she earned her reputation. So she's in a different category from everybody else you listed. Well, I, I, I would say this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the views and opinions of April Prayer do not necessarily reflect those of the Ben Jarofsky show. So I will say it. I will make this point. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. If you stand up for the rights of poor Black people, you will be vilified. Yes. If you make that your career, you will be vilified. Uh, and you will be maligned. Uh, you will be a pariah. Uh, I, I'm, I can't think of anybody in the city of Chicago who made a career out of standing up uh, for poor black people who wasn't vilified and maligned. And Karen Lewis stood up for poor black people. And so she was vilified and maligned. SDG stands up for poor black kids. Poor black kids in that system, maligned. Uh, and uh, Kim Fox, by and large, uh, with his criminal justice reforms, was who who is the biggest victim? Uh, April of our criminal the 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 uh, inequities in our criminal justice system. Just you tell me who are the in Cook County who are the biggest victims? Go ahead, answer that question. Or black people. There you go. So she would yeah. now. There's always, if they get something to pound you, they'll use it. Jesse Smollett, I knew I'd get to him uh, sooner or later, <laughs> was a convenient tool. And I, I this Kim Fox handled that atrociously, in my humble opinion. Okay, you could defend her if you want. You have the microphone when I'm done. Uh, she handled it atrociously. But the way they put that pace up, to make it so much significance led me to believe, oh, they got a, they got a hammer and they're going to use it. You got what I'm saying? And uh, so that's my opinion about how uh, the Justice Smollett case, your response. Uh, you're freezing up some. Is it just me? Time out. Uh, I'm, can you hear me now? Yeah, you were yeah. freezing and cutting okay. it out. Uh, so did you hear everything I said? Yes. Yeah, okay. I caught you back. So I just don't know if he got, say, she got you. Say that again, Chris. 
I was just going to say, I got you on my end, but I don't know if she got you there for a minute. So just go back with uh, wherever you were at and get her caught up. To okay, speak. I'll just say uh, your response. Okay, so here we go. One, two, three. So, yes, I do believe. Yes, I do believe Kim handled the Jesse Smollett situation very, very poorly. I think it um, turned into a much bigger incident than it should have been, just from my experience with the criminal justice system of the last 20 four years and actually oddly enough handling similar cases as crazy as that sounds <laughs> that ended up with a slap on the wrist or a misdemeanor or a, um you know community service with, with a very similar result to what jesse got the first time around so for it to blow up like that it just i, I mean most people didn't know who jesse smollett was i'm sorry I, I had never watched empire had never heard the boy's name only knew who his sister was from eve's bayou um, had no idea who he was. And I think most of America had no idea who he was. And, but because she handled it so poorly, it magnified his role, uh, you know, just in, in the United States in terms of who he was, and also made her look worse than the situation probably really was. So, um, yeah, so I, I agree. I agree. She, she set herself up, she was in a bad position. She already had a target on her back. And when you have a target on your back, you just kind of have to move differently and yeah. not leave yourself wide open to attack. <laughs> it's And it's the very same thing with Stacey Davis Gates. She had a target on her back. Uh, and so her enemies are just using this latest intel for every, squeezing every little bit they can get out of it uh, to try to uh, undercut her and to defund the public schools and to destroy the Chicago Teachers Union. Um, that's the reality of politics. That's the game. That's how it's played. Uh, so, you know, as I tell uh, my lefty friends who are so outraged, I go, yeah, you'd be doing the same thing if you could. Um, <laughs> I have to, you, you could do it to somebody else. All right. Uh, let's talk Jesse Smollett briefly. I sent you the article and uh, it's unbelievable. The story is still not over. So Jesse was, uh, Jesse Smollett was in town for a hearing. Uh, appealing his conviction. Uh, interesting uh, take here, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Essentially, he's arguing, uh, Jesse Smollett or his attorneys are arguing, uh, that his conviction uh, was unconstitutional uh, because the matter had already been resolved by Kim Fox. And so essentially, they were bringing up charges a second time. That's the argument he's making or his lawyers are making. Uh, it, what's your thoughts about this argument? Yeah, I've actually talked this over with a few defense attorneys and some people would throw out the terms like double jeopardy. And I have a different take. I think that it's, it's not an issue of double jeopardy. You can dismiss a case against somebody and bring it back within a certain number of days. So that's not the issue. The issue for me was it, it puts in jeopardy the integrity of the negotiation process with the state. So if I reach an agreement with the state's attorney and my client's case is going to be dismissed in exchange for community service or in exchange for a fee, uh, a fine or exchange for classes or exchange for whatever, and then to know that six months later, a year later, whatever, he can get charged again, I mean, this is in layman's terms, that's some BS. Like, so it, <laughs> in terms of the legal system, I don't think that happens very often. So I will be curious to hear what reasoning the appellate court has and what conclusion they reach. But it's not an issue of double jeopardy, but it is an issue of, so if I agree to something and in agreeing to that, we may have had negotiations, we may have had conversations, you may learn things about my client that you otherwise wouldn't know. And so now is that going to be used against my client in a further proceeding? To me, that's very problematic. And I'm sure that's some of what came up in the uh, appellate brief. Yeah, and in some ways it's parallels, in some ways, not completely what's going on with Hunter Biden right now. I don't know if we've been following that case, uh, but the, the feds have prosecuted him uh, for lying uh, uh, on an application to ha have a gun, uh, to have a gun license, to own a gun. Uh, and um, he thought he had cut a deal with the feds and settled the case. That deal blew up. Uh, the judge didn't approve it. And so now the feds are coming down on him again. And um, I totally, hey, 
Donald Trump, well, you should come to Hunter uh, Biden's defense. If you think the case against you is political, I mean, they they got to throw Hunter Biden out there to the wolves because they want to show MAGA that everybody gets prosecuted, not just MAGA. And uh, so be, I see some parallels there, April. Do you follow what I'm saying? It's like suddenly things have changed. We it's not prudent for us to prosecute uh, to give you a deal. So we're going to prosecute you. Do you follow what I said? Think it's like a public relations uh, control and uh, a public relations crisis. And so, OK, we're going to prosecute you now. That's how I see it. Your thoughts. I mean, I would liken it to the to the Bill Cosby case. So like he had this agreement that they weren't going to prosecute him in exchange. He went ahead and gave depositions in a civil matter thinking, hey, it is what it is. I'm going to tell the truth. I'm under oath. And then years later for them to use the transcript from the civil matter to be like, oh, we are going to prosecute you. And then that prosecutor be like, oh, I didn't know anything about there was an agreement not to prosecute. Like it's all those kind of dirty dealings. And that's how he won. He won on appeal on that issue. And so I don't know that Jesse is so smart. Jesse Smollett is so far off the mark saying, hey, either you're going to negotiate in good faith or you're not. Just because the media gets involved, because it looks bad in the news, doesn't mean you can take away my deal, bring a stop, uh, swap out a new prosecutor and come after me and send me to jail for 180 or 150 days and give me a, a conviction. So I don't I, I think it really will be interesting to see, because I think it's going to put prosecutors moving forward, put their feet to the fire to say, hey, you can't do these dirty dealings. You can't say you're supposed to honor what your predecessor said. You're supposed to be honest in your negotiations and you can't trick a defendant into an agreement and then come back because it looks bad for you in the press and turn it around. Mm. I remember the OJ trial when I first became aware that there are different kinds of criminal defense lawyers. Uh, so uh, when O.J. was arrested uh, for murder, uh, there was one lawyer, Shapiro, who was a classic plea dealer. He was always trying to cut a deal uh, with the, the prosecutors, get the lowest sentence he could for his client. And then there was Johnny Cochran, who was like, let's go to court and duke it out. I think I can win in court. That was how it was presented to the public at the time. Are you more of the Shapiro, let's cut a deal, or the Johnny Cochran, let's duke it out type of criminal defense lawyer? I'm, I'm closer to the latter, but you can't win every case. And so I am the type, I love trials, I love litigating, but if it's in the best interest of my client to not litigate, if he's going to get significantly less time just because I can and um, work out something with the state, I am a master at getting better offers than anybody else because of the mitigation I present, because of the poor I build with prosecutors, and because I am very much a straight shooter. I do not play games. And because they know that, they respect me and give me better deals. All right, let's move to uh, no cash bail. Uh, as you were pointing out to me uh, before the show began on Monday, I had I forgot that on Monday, uh, Monday, it officially goes out of existence. Your thoughts about what will follow? So, like I said, I was just at a panel with Kim Fox, uh, the Cook County uh, State's Attorney, Sharon Mitchell, the Cook County Public Defender. They were on the panel along with Edward Space, who's a private attorney like me. And they were talking about what we anticipate will happen starting Monday. So it is a great, 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 great bill for those who are charged with nonviolent offenses or misdemeanors. They basically get noticed and told when to go to court. The studies have shown that really when you use court as an honor system, people show up. They just want it to be over. They don't want to, they're not going to steal bail. I mean, they're not going to like, they're not going to flee this, the, the jurisdiction because they don't have the means. They're going to go to court to get it over with. So it is great if you're in that position. What we all kind of like, they didn't really want to talk about is the people who didn't kill anybody but don't have a misdemeanor and fall somewhere in the middle. So maybe you're charged with robbery and there was no weapon. You will likely be held in jail indefinitely with no means to get out because you can no longer, there is no bond, so that's not an option. And you're just going to sit. So we kept asking about what about those people? So now most people cannot post bond whether it's $100 or $100,000 because they're poor. 
So not those people, but those who might still be poor will have means, have family members who could have scraped together uh, and all pitched in or have churches. I've had literally congregations raise money for the one good kid who got in trouble one time. So that's all off the table. So now that one good kid would be sitting in Cook County Jail or any local jail in the state of Illinois until trial. And so, and that's what kind of is unknown. We don't know what the judges will do, but they have fewer options. So it's either sit in county jail or put them on electronic monitoring and further overwhelm that system. So we're waiting to see how these hearings are going to go on Monday. And then the other question I had that Kim, I wanted her on the record. So she says this will not happen in Cook County, at least not on her watch. But it will likely happen in every other county is people who are currently on bond, no violations, haven't gotten into trouble, paying their bills, driving their car, taking care of their kids, but might be for a serious offense. Will those people now be snatched off the street by the state's attorney who files a petition saying, no, we want you detained? And from what I understand is in counties downstate, they have already started to do it. So people who paid bonds, haven't done anything else wrong, didn't pick up any additional cases, didn't uh, have a, a, a hot drop, meaning, you know, have a urinalysis that turned up some type of drug, haven't done anything else wrong, who will be taken into custody for no other reason than the law change. So those are all things that are unknown. Those are up in the air. And we won't know until maybe six months from now or three months from now what judges all up and down the state are doing. What What's the rationale if they paid the bail? I don't understand it. What's the rationale for snatching them and putting them in jail? Because there's no more there's no more bond. So there's no more bond. And so based on the statute, this is an, an offense that you can be detained for. We think that you're a threat. And so now we're going to detain you. So it's basically sour grapes. The state didn't get what they wanted at the initial initial bond hearing. And this is their chance to get a second bite of the apple. So <laughs> that's so perverse. I mean, it's happening. I already know of one case where it happened. Somebody who had an armed habitual felon case, which just means that you have you have a, a, a history and then you picked up a new case, probably a, probably an offense where you just were in possession of a weapon. You didn't shoot anybody, you didn't rob anybody. Wait. You might not have shot anybody or robbed anybody in any of your cases. And now, because the law is changing and yeah. there will no longer be a bond to ensure that you come to court, supposedly, they are saying, okay, well, we'll take the bond off the table, but now we want you detained. Well, and they've I already paid that they, one more. They put the money up, correct? Yes. So the yes. money has to be refunded to them. Is that correct? Yeah, it'll be refunded to whoever I paid see. it, but they'll still be in, in county so, jail. So in other words, okay, so the point is, uh, let's say the guy's name is Billy. So Billy uh, is charged with a crime. Billy uh, paid a bond. Billy's uh, out. Uh, probably got a little electronic device on his leg, uh, monitoring him. Uh, and while no, waiting, no, Billy's just on bond because electronic monitoring is another form of custody. So it, you don't. Well, I know some guys who had electronic monitoring on, but whatever. Yeah, we'll you leave can that have both. You They showed me their electronic monitor. I was watching football games with them, and they were like. <laughs> What's that? Oh, that's my electronic monitoring. Uh, but whatever, we'll put that aside. Uh, and I'm not naming names. Uh, your secret's safe with me, friends. Um, so, okay. So Billy paid, the, forget the electronic monitoring. I just forget that. I didn't say. So he paid his bond. Uh, so what's going to happen? Let's say it was $100, just for the sake of argument. The, the state kicks back $100, and then they put him in jail. Because they're saying that the only thing that kept him from fleeing uh, to Mexico, Canada, to, I don't know where, uh, you know, get, leaving the, the area, was that a $100 bond? Is that what their yes. argument is? Yes. That they believed he was a threat all along, that the standard has changed, that the law has changed, now they want him detained. Well, you know. So Kim said that her office, that will not be their policy. They will not do that in bond court. And I told her my fear is that it won't happen in bond yeah. court. It'll happen in the courtrooms. So where this person has been showing up the last six months, eight months, 10 months, whatever, where the judge or the state can say we want a detention hearing for this person based on the charge alone. 
Well, what I assume what Kim Fox is saying is that her uh, employees of the Cook County uh, State's Attorney's Office will not be asking the judge to do this. Yes, correct. The other okay. part and is people in custody now want to have who were unable to pay their bond, say they're in custody and their bond is $10,000 and their family doesn't have it. Now they're going to inundate the courts with petitions to have their bond reconsidered and have a new detention hearing. So there are also defense attorneys lining up to file those starting on Monday. Okay. So there are a lot of unknowns that we don't know. And in, in bond, the way bond worked was you got a different bond, same facts of the same case, you would get a totally different bond from 10 different judges. Totally different. 3000 from one, 10000 from another, 100000 from another. Same facts. It all depended on who the bond judge was that day. Yeah. So we, we don't know what's going to happen. <clears throat> well, and uh, let me remind everybody uh, that this movement uh, to end cash uh, bail was to eradicate the uh, injustice, if you will, uh, and where if you're poor, you sit in jail for however long it takes uh, to get your case uh, before a judge. Uh, whereas if you're not poor, or if you have access, or if you have means of some kind, uh, you're, you're out of jail. And um, that could destroy someone's life, being in jail. You can't work, you can't support your family, uh, you lose your job, et cetera, and so forth. So this was the purpose of it. Uh, and there was a, just a knee-jerk outcry from MAGA America and conservatives of all stripes, even if they're not fully MAGA, although all Republicans are pretty much MAGA these days, uh, against this, uh, even though they're pleading how unfair it is what's happened to the January 6th insurrectionists. Uh, April, I just want to point that out. Do you follow what I'm saying, the inconsistency? Uh, well, the, the thing is, Kim... Kim Fox made a good point on this panel that I had actually never considered is that because they say, well, why are so many prosecutors offices against the Safety Act and the Pretrial Fairness Act? And it's about money. It's not about crime. Crime's not going to go up because of this new law. It's just not. Um, it's about money. A lot of these smaller collar counties fund different programs, fund different people's salaries with the bond. Now bond is gone. Where are those monies going to come from? That finally made sense to me. I said, ah, that's what the pushback is about. It's about money. It's not about people's liberty. It's about money. It's about we use your bond to fund XYZ programs in our county. And now we're going to lose out on those dollars every year. So that's the first thing that I was like, oh, that finally makes sense. Wow. But yes, it Ultimately, the purpose of it was there, there was a disparity. People were charged with the same crime who had the means, who had funds, could bond out. And the others would sit literally for a $100 bond. And what people didn't realize, like you said, your life could be destroyed in days. If you sit in a county jail for just two days, you likely will have lost your job. Now with no job, you cannot pay your rent. Now you and your family will within 30 days have no place to go. So it's it's a snowball effect. And so, like I said, it's a beautiful thing for those who are charged with nonviolent crimes like drug cases or who are charged with misdemeanors. But if you're charged with one of those more serious felonies, it's going to be problematic because people who could have bonded out last week will be sitting indefinitely in county jail. So let me let me uh, take it a little. A different area. So you're telling me that the practical benefit for uh, prosecuting attorneys in smaller districts uh, to having a, a bond system is equivalent to speed traps in southern Wisconsin. So you have a speed trap in southern Wisconsin. I don't know if you ever driven up to Wisconsin from Chicago. All of a sudden, you're in a town. They see that Illinois plate. They pull you over. Oh, sir, do you realize that you were going 35 miles an hour in a 30-mile-hour zone? You didn't know you were going 35. You didn't know it was a 30. That's going to cost you a lot of money. You're in a heap of trouble, boy. And uh, I just added the heap of trouble, boy, thing I saw it in the movie. 
because I have people call me perplexed all the time. What do you, what do they mean I have a warrant? Because again, it was their moneymaker. Just like in the city of Chicago, it is unheard of for a first time DUI driver to get anything other than supervision. Whereas if you are downstate, it is very likely you would get a conviction and possibly even jail time. Why? Because that's how they get their dollars in collar counties. It's not, I mean, our volume's so high here, we don't have to do it in the county of Cook. But in other places, they do things differently and they monetize it differently because that's how they pay their bills. And oh so bond, the bond system was one of those things, a huge way that they paid their bills that is being taken off the table. Man, there are so many scams like that. I mean, like, I'm not naming any names in the telling of this tale, but you know, one of the biggest shakedowns for the state of Iowa was arresting college students at the University of Iowa for possessing reefer. This is back in the day. Oh my God, shakedown city coming. And by the way, you know who is really shaking you down? I hate to say this, uh, April, criminal defense lawyers. Uh, here's a tree I'm gonna shake. I'm not giving any details. I'm just gonna say hypothetical. One time someone I know, not saying who, called a criminal defense lawyer in Iowa, I'm not saying who, to ask about a bill. I'm like, you're charging me X, Y, Z? This person, hypothetical, not saying who it is, got billed for asking a question about the bill. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty wrong. But yeah, down, I, man. <laughs> I say that all the time. I was telling somebody the other day that, you know, with all these violence prevention programs in the city of Chicago, state of Illinois, um, and even with the court system, People don't really want violence to end. And the person was kind of like thrown aback when I said that. And I said, it's just like the court system. People don't really want it to shut down because too many people are getting paid out of it. There would be salaries and, and entire professions eliminated if you got rid of either the violence and or the court system. And so, you know, these are big money makers. It's not about human life. It's not about... Uh, you know, it's all it's about is the bottom line financially. And so I thought that that was a great point that she made on the panel. Wow. You said that or someone else on the panel said that? Kim Fox said that that these counties are funded by, no. in part, by bonds. No, I, said, I said that violence prevention programs are BS because nobody really wants the violence. If you really look at the core of it, the heart of it, nobody wants violence to end. And, let me and I say that. that because there's too much money in it and nobody wants the court system to function properly because there's too much money in it the way it functions now. And I will say this in response. You are even more jaded than I am. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most jaded thing I've heard all day. <laughs> uh, I mean, I say some pretty jaded things, but wow, that is nobody wants violence to happen to them. Okay, you get what I'm saying? Nobody wants yeah. to be the, the victim of a violent attack. You know, the the, the number of um, robberies is going up uh, on certain in certain north side neighborhoods. It's very frightening and scary. Uh, nobody wants to be the victim of a robbery. Nobody anywhere. So, well, when I say nobody, I mean the powers that be, meaning politicians, those who are actually um, cutting the checks for these funds to go to all these different organizations. I don't even remember how much money Illinois gets in violence prevention funds. What I'm saying is from a very high level, they don't really want violence to end. They need black communities to stay poor. They need brown communities to stay poor. Just like you were talking about before, they don't really want there to be a power shift. And that's why anybody who supports and defends poor black people will ultimately be vilified because nobody wants to shift the power to ever end up in black people's hands. And so that's why, you know, violence prevention sounds good. Yeah. It sounds good and you fund a hundred or a thousand or 2000 different little programs around the city of Chicago. You ultimately hope that they don't really make a dent because you need the cycle of violence to continue. And it's like, we're going to end the show where we began it. Cause I began the show by saying nobody really wants to help poor black kids get uh, paid tuition to go to a Catholic school. They want the tax credit. If you want to help a poor black kid go to a Catholic school, just pay the tuition of the kid. Yeah. No, oh, I want a tax credit, man. Mm -hmm. I want to make money on this deal. So, yeah, I hear you. It's kind of the same thing, April, if you understand what I'm saying. It's a cousin. 
of the game that's being played. All right. We've run out of time, so I'll have to save for another show your theory. And ladies and gentlemen, this is a great tease. She's got a great theory about January 6th and insurgents, insurrectionists, et cetera. <laughs> uh, and we're going to just have to take it. And, and, and the way they've been charged, as opposed to the way uh, people are charged uh, in Cook County's uh, criminal justice system. But we've run out of time, so we'll just hold that for the next time April's on the show because it's a fascinating deep dive that I would love to take with her sometime. Before we leave, one more time, tell folks about this competition you're in. Go ahead. Absolutely. So while we put a pin in this edition, I will go ahead and encourage people to go and go to Vote for Justice. And that's Vote, the number four, J-U-S-T-U-S, J-U-S-T-U-S dot com, Vote for Justice dot com, Vote for Us. And all you do is like the video. That's your vote, supposedly. Like the video so that we can move on to the finals in the Southside Pitch Competition. And shouting them out, go check out the Southside Pitch Competition. And if you're a local small business, you might want to participate next year. Very good. All right, April, thank you so much for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, that's great, April Prayer. I also want to thank Producer Chris. Did an outstanding job. Uh, hey, Producer Chris, give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Have a great weekend, everybody. And remember, if you want more Ben Jarofsky, just head to chicagoreader.com. Follow Ben Jarofsky on Instagram at Benny J Show and like and subscribe to The Ben Jarofsky Show on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms. Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home yes, cool. or attending one live, no! you can do more without spending more. Learn how to save at cox.com slash internet. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable. Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability as measured by Ookla LLC in the U.S. to H2023. Results may vary, not an endorsement. Other restrictions apply.